Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Gentlemen, as my knees are rapidly filling with fluid, I'll be brief. This is War World. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Tornado Died for Our Sins podcast. I'm CC. Alongside me is SKO, our, I don't know, millennial, I guess. And we have managed to reconstruct a CGI Walter to join us, finally. Walter Howard. <laughs> my estate is furious. <laughs> Actually, yeah, your, true. your estate allowed us to do this for a bag of corn chips. Damn it! I'm curious to my estate. <laughs> but it was corn down. chips? They it was corn chips? Cheap. I thought it was corn nuts. God damn it, we've been ripped. Corn nuts? <laughs> we're not monsters. Jesus. <laughs> my dad used to stock up on corn nuts and Dr. Pepper whenever we went on road trips as a family just so he could belch and make us all want to kill him. So I was, about to, I was about to say, was he planning for a role-playing game session? Jesus Christ! Yeah, he the man, the man likes to torture us in, in unique ways. So, which is appropriate. I was, I was going to say that, that is literally the first time I've ever heard the the phrase "stock up on corn nuts." So, <laughs> like, who does that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah sorry. speaking as a non-millennial, all I think of when I think of corn nuts is the movie Heather's. You know, anything else does not just escape from my brain. You know, what about so, that meth- methamphetamine-addicted crow that was their mascot for a while? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that a thing? <laughs> I honestly don't wow, know because I, I only purchased corn nuts at a gas station. I don't think I ever saw them, you know, with an actual advertising or anything. They were just a thing that, like, were always there in my life. But, you know, it, it looks like they a strung-out version of, of Heckle or Jekyll. Your choice. <laughs> Whichever one is yeah. the least racist. I, I would say the gas station is is absolutely the proper purchasing place for corn nuts. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I I don't think anywhere else is legally allowed to carry them. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like I was so upset when Chick Fil A started doing freestanding restaurants because it's, it belongs in mall food courts. I was very upset when they expanded out of that because that's the sensible place for a weird right wing Christian organization to be. Yeah, but now I can get bigot chicken on my lunch break and it's mm. glorious. So. You know what? I want to I want to go on a, out on a, out on the public record here because I I remember when uh, Chick Fil A just was you know became an open supervillain of a of a of a chain. A bunch of my liberal friends started going on talking about how shitty their food is, and I'm like, you fucking liars! No, their food is good. Yeah. They're just awful people. Thank <laughs> <laughs> like you, you fucking liars. Yeah, I, like, I, I would like to say that I am on the record as as being Chick Fil A being mad since I, my first exposure to them back in '99. And I am the same way about Krispy Kreme donuts. Screw you, Southern food. Southern God food. damn it. <laughs> I, I will uh, admit I'm not. I told you and I are going to fight a duel after this. <laughs> Anywho, so War World, um, the thing I still can't believe was not a Jack Kirby invention. Uh, I, I, I felt so smug. I was like, mm, yes, mm, mm, classic uh, Kirby. Mm-hmm. I know the fourth world. <laughs> Land wine, what? <laughs> Which, to be fair, let's not shortchange Land wine. Land wine is awesome and gave us no, some of the best super, Superman stuff ever. And this is, yeah. I won't say this thing. entire. Let's not forget. Uh, we can all forget Swamp Thing. I love Swamp Thing. Didn't he, re- didn't he co-create that with Wrightson? Or am I, or am I just incredibly drunk? I thought Swan, I yes. thought Swamp Thing was entirely an Alan Moore venture, or is it? No, 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 no. Swamp Thing was around for a decade before Alan Moore. No shit. Alan Moore's, Alan Moore's, just, Alan Moore changed Swamp Thing entirely uh, well, forever. Yeah. But he, yeah. but uh, no, Swamp Thing started you mean, out as a horror. You made him not radioactive and a mess addict. Back when the Simpsons was good. <laughs> Twelve thousand steps. Well, well, well. Anyway, yeah, I, I so, well, I, I, 
fact, I learned something you, today. I saw some of your guys' messages earlier, and let me get this straight. So Mongol is the knockoff of is, is it knockoff of Thanos, who is the knock, knockoff of Darkseid. There isn't a yeah, sort line. of a, a three steps removed thing. So it's like Wine was yeah. ripping off Starlin, who was. Actually, I think Starlin might have been ripping off himself because I think Starlin might have been the artist that uh, co-created Nongol, but I'm not sure. But uh, basically, Wine ripping off Starlin, ripping off Kirby. Like it's definitely Kirby's down the lineage of this. Like if you if you trace the lineage of this, this definitely is a Kirby-esque story, but it's not actually coming from Kirby. Well, and I, I, to be honest, it, it raised a question again that I have con- that I've asked so many times. What is the why does Mongol even exist in the DC universe? What function does he fill that could not have already been filled by Darkseid? I guess I think it's is, that Mongol is president dumber than Darkseid. <laughs> He's dumber and weaker. Yeah, like like I'm losing you both. Sorry, you for the Mongol Dark. Yeah, Mongol's for dumber and Darkseid would be too powerful. <laughs> like like yeah. Darkseid wouldn't do something as dumb as having a war world. That's you know. True. He would have, like, Darkseid would have made people form their own war world through gradually influencing their society to become more chaotic and stupid, you know? But he would not be up there, like, in the gladiator chairs bragging, you know? He would just be sitting at, like, uh, you know, in Orion's apartment, you know, drinking, drinking out of a goblet, which, by the way, we did get to see Mongol do some goblet drinking, and no, he is no, he is definitely no Darkseid when it comes to quaffing from a, from a goblet in someone's house. <laughs> I also enjoyed that. Well, the the whole thing is obviously a, it's a bread and circus story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Where you know, obviously, War World is just a modern, just a space version of the Roman circuses where he's trying to pacify the populace with blood sports. But yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that because I think it's the first time I've ever seen in a DC work where like the villain planet even has an economy. Like yeah. Like yeah. Uh, no, on, on Apocalypse, <laughs> nobody's like, going home from the Hellforge or whatever and, and you know, bitching to the wife that Darkseid didn't give them overtime pay. Like, the whole point of the planet is just to exist and fuel Darkseid's war machine. But I guess Mongol is actually just, like, a, a, a petty dictator in charge of a banana republic where he's got to keep the people from revolting against him? Yeah, so, I, would, I would say that. I would also say, you know, and, I mean, not to play my hand a little early, but... I would say there's only one truly great Mongol story. This is not it. Uh, I think ju- nope. I think JLU did the uh, Unlimited did the best Mongol story, which was an. Uh, yeah, you're clearly talking. Wait, 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 hold on. You're clearly talking about um, Emerald, or you're clearly talking about Reign of the Supermen and and thus Emerald Twilight that followed from Mongol destroying Coast City and putting those gray streaks in Hal Jordan's hair and then giving us hmm. Kyle Rayner eventually, right? That's what you're I referring to? I feel like I might not have been yeah. talking about that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mongol is, Mongol is a, is, is a, a second-rate villain all around. You know, like, Indeed. He is the, yes, he is. He is the epitome of, like, uh, like, I've recently read a whole bunch of Fantastic Four, like, over the last, like, few months. That was kind of my jam for a while. And um, he is, like, um, Diablo the evil alchemist that kept popping up in the Silver I don't even know who that is, to be honest with you. You don't for a reason. Yeah. My fantastic four is a little rusty. He is one of those recurring villains like that every time he shows up, you're like, oh, all right, I guess. <laughs> you know, like he's, all right, let's do this. You know, it, And that's how I feel every time I see a Mongol story. I'm like, all right, all right Mongol, okay, that's, that's what you got going I, on. I have to say I, I was surprised that War World was like, populated because my impression was always that Mongol was more like, I don't know, like arcade or somebody that that well, was, you know that he was just putting this on for his own. Well, no, the know. episode makes it clear that he transports right. people to War World for the fight. He's on a different planet. Yeah, because okay. because they line up and they give the we who are about to die solution thing. Well, because this is a totally different concept of War World than I'm used to, anyways. Because like I feel like in the original War World story, it's like the Death Star. Like War World is a moving planet that's just nothing but like a bristling weapons platform that people fight for control of so that they can go use it to scare other planets. Whereas in this arc, War World itself is really nothing other than like you could call it I mean it's you could call it Thunderdome if you wanted. It's just a kind of a desolate planet where yeah. people beat the fuck out of each other. So Although although it does actually have a planet killing weapon. Yeah, well, yeah. it technically I mean, is a desert. I mean, 
you know, but, you know, like, it, it, well, I guess it's more like Starkiller Base because it's more like a planet that has a gun on it than a space station. But, um, <laughs> no, we'll play it there. <laughs> 200 nerd points to you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it, like, you know, I, the, uh, also this thing, I, you can't say it's ripping it off because it came years before, but this thing also kind of reminds me of Planet Hulk quite a bit. You know, it's got the same sort of, you know, like, I don't know if y'all yeah, uh, read that with yeah, Hulk. That's what I, yeah, so I guess um, we have to accuse Planet Hulk of being a shameless ripoff. That's how this stuff works, right? I know, which is which is a shame. You know, I used to like it, but now I have to hate it because it wasn't a good yeah. Sorry, Grandma. Yeah, by the rules of the Internet, it must now become the worst thing ever and also problematic. Is there any way we can imply that it's racist? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the insect people clearly represented the uh, the Romani people uh, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, let's just say it. All right, I have no idea what's going on now. Uh, but, uh, My main disappointment was that Mongol's sister, Mongal, did not show up in this story at all, <laughs> which is ridiculous, because that was a per- that would have been perfect. Eric Roberts and Julia Roberts. Oh, my God. Tell me that would have been stupendous. Wait, wait a minute. By the w- wait. By the way. Is Eric Roberts think... related to Julia Roberts? Wait, you didn't know this? No. Yeah, they're brother and sister. Yeah, no brother shit. and sister. Yeah, oh, look at that. If that's not Hollywood's most talented family ever. You know, the funniest thing is Eric Roberts had a career long before Julia Roberts did, but then she massively eclipsed him. He had to feel so terrible in the mid-90s when he was making, you know, those direct-to-showtime movies or whatever. You know, like every weird borderline softcore porn he appeared in, you know, for like 20 years uh, before. My only, my only Eric Roberts story is that um, my wife, then girlfriend, watched Celebrity Rehab briefly as one of her guilty pleasure oh shows. Oh my god, and I remember that. There was, when he was on there. There was a, there was a season yeah, that he was on it, and it was after he had his bit part as Maroney in The Dark yeah. Knight. Yeah, it was and he likes to bra- he likes to brag constantly throughout the show that he had the smallest part, biggest movie of the year. <laughs> you know what? I, nice. I actually liked him on that. Like, like sometimes you watch, you watch like I watched like four or five seasons of Celebrity Rehab because I'm a garbage person made of trash. And, yeah, no uh, one will dispute that. Yeah, you know. Although to be fair, uh, to be fair, my wife like kind of got me into it because she likes the trashy stuff even more than I do. And well, uh, yes, you know, she married you. Hey, exactly. Uh, oh, <laughs> let's go. Wait, wait, wait till we get to my cell phones about David Paymer later. <laughs> but, um, but, um, she, but like, I remember, like, like there was, like, every season it felt like there was always that one guy in rehab that was kind of like, like, aware of how ridiculous it was that he was on a show about being on rehab. And I think Eric Roberts was that guy in this. <laughs> you know, and I. I, I, one season Gary Busey was on because he started doing pot too much. <laughs> I felt like it was Gary Busey was just coming on to mock those people about the fact he could leave whenever he wanted. I honestly got to I feel it. like we as a society, like, I, if Gary Busey's not using something to kind of mellow out the whole Gary Busey thing, yeah. I feel like yeah. that would, would Yeah, put getting Gary Busey on pot seems like a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they did. But yeah, like um, I forgot where I was going with that. So, thank uh, oh. okay. on. Well, if we're gonna go start, if we're gonna start at the beginning of this episode, I want to talk about something that still bothers me about the entire DCAU, because this whole thing All starts right. with them. Uh, well, well, there's a big up at the start. I can't remember. They're trying to fix a satellite or stop an yeah. asteroid. Yeah, no, they're thing. they're blowing up. They're doing an Armageddon. Yeah, Only yeah, they're, yeah, they're trying to because it's Superman and Martian Manhunter and not. Bruce Willis and his, his gang of hee haw idiots. Oh, and, oh um, okay. Because I'm the resident can, guy who. Oh, I'm sorry. Why can Superman and Martian Manhunter both breathe underwater, but they need spacesuits? But sometimes Superman doesn't need a spacesuit. Well, you know, it's the same reason um, he has armor in the New 52, <laughs> because there's reasons I, that this happens. I don't know. It's just yeah. There's there's an inconsistent approach to when Superman needs a space suit well, or pressure suit and when he doesn't. So speaking of inconsistencies, um, and as an aside, by the way, as the resident guy who knows way more about Marvel than DC, uh, I noticed when they were doing this, and this is definitely a deep cut. Sometime in the '70s, the same plan of attaching rockets to a to an asteroid to move it. That same trick was used on Ego, the Living Planet, one of my favorite of the weird Jack Kirby creations from the Marvel Universe. 
um, that he was tricked in a battle with Galactus and the Fantastic Four into being launched into space by someone strapping rockets to him and just firing him randomly like a pool ball off into the universe. Nice. Which, uh, you know, which seemed to be their scheme here with this. But uh, as far as inconsistent powers go, both Superman and Martian Manhunter are getting blown all to hell by this explosion that really honestly shouldn't have done much to either of them because, one, you know, Superman's essentially invulnerable, and apparently John forgot he could phase. <laughs> like, no, yeah, he I don't phase all the time. Oh, yeah, he, his, plot, his phasing is one of the most plot-convenient things on the show. But also um, the fact that in the DCAU, Superman can be knocked out or incapacitated by just about any moderately powerful laser um, yeah. always kind of seemed to bother me because, like, I feel like Lex Luthor's a pretty smart guy. He'd figure out that he could just keep shooting him with a fucking laser over and over. Like, but, literally, uh, look at all the security footage. Just put a gun up and Superman will jump into it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, we've learned that say time and again. Yeah, the DCAU but, is the perfect place. I, I have been watching ahead uh, in the series now because my kids have become addicted to it, which is great. Nice. Um, this is this is a theme that's going to be ongoing <laughs> yeah. and continue forever. I, I, I was going to guess that I thought the best part about this show is now, and this is the problem. I, I, I'm guessing from my my limited experience with all DCAU products is they never quite figure Superman out exactly. You know, they do better and worse jobs with him depending, but like they, their Superman is always just kind of a, a, a punch guy, you know? And I yeah. thought, ironically, like this should not be a good Superman story. I mean, it works great as a Hulk story, you know, <laughs> but it is, yeah. it's not, it should not be a great Superman story because essentially it's Superman as a gladiator, which is not really Superman's thing, you know. He's not really a guy who wants to beat the crap out of people, you know, and will always be looking for reasons not to do it if you're playing him right. But in yeah. this, like, but the, the DCAU Superman, this is perfect for him because he gets to just dive at everything and try and punch it. You know, it's well, a solution I, to literally every problem. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, because I, I was going to say, this felt to me like maybe a script that they didn't get to, or get around to doing on Superman the Animated Series before it was canceled, because it's a really strong Superman story all the way through, um, and, and it really espouses, you know, really shows yeah. the, the, the he-does-not-kill thing to, right. I mean, to a, a really impressive degree. Um, but... It, but wait, 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 wait. Superman doesn't kill? But... No. Everything um, I've been taught says yeah. that's what he does. Um, Zack Snyder lied to us? <laughs> through song? Never. But, uh, I, I felt like, especially the, um, the John part of the two-parter felt really tacked on and that he didn't really have a lot to do. And yeah, they no, kind of come up with some... They kind of come up with some interesting plot contrivances to keep him from, like, just, you know, saving the day and getting them the fuck out of there. Right. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention, but were both of you watching the scene where John impersonates Mongol and goes to, like, sneak past his guards to deactivate the super weapon yeah. or whatever? Yeah. And for some reason, and I, I've watched it a couple times, there's absolutely no reason given for why his his shape-shifting powers fail, I think they just realized... He, he makes reference to the atmosphere of the planet, like, screwing with oh, his powers. Okay. Yeah, no, there that, is... And in fact, there is a, yeah, and, they, they, and, they, and it's supportive when he's sneaking in to watch. Uh, there's a moment where his face goes back to normal for a second. Like, uh, uh, okay. Well, not really normal, because ironically it goes to the, the, the friendlier face he, ha- he, he puts on for the show, they kind of forget his normal form is actually a lot creepier and weirder looking. But, you know, but it goes into that, um, his standard uh, face for the show for just a second. So I think, I think they did support that. Okay. You know, enough. Yeah, he, like, he, he like something about the atmosphere messes with his power. Because he mentions it, yeah, like, like right at the beginning, because there's really, if you think about it, it's, you know, it, to fast forward a little here, there's an explosion. Superman and Martian Manhunter are, are kidnapped by, I don't know, Mongols, guys who find gladiators and they're yeah. all very you, they're all very impressed that they found this powerful unique you know they've got a kryptonian the last one in the galaxy whatever but you've also got a super powered martian who's the last of his kind and there's like, yeah that doesn't matter Racist. it's like wouldn't wouldn't <laughs> you go back wouldn't you know if i'm mongo I'm, I'm taking my two last survivors of planets that are super powered and put them against each other that's exactly that, that's the plot i would make 
you know. Yeah. That's my that's my first, like yeah. If I'm Mongol, that is the that is the biggest ultimate circus you can do. You mm-hmm. know, that's going to keep people happy for ages. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that 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 was a, a thing that really stuck with my in my in my craw just a touch uh, as well was like like not having a use for John and also to be honest the other the B plot of uh, the other John and uh, at Hawk Girl never like like every like I honestly kept dipping out whenever they were on screen and I, it could be part of like John Stewart without the Flash combined with Hawk Girl just not being as interesting a character to me but when they were on the screen I kind of I kept forgetting what they were doing and why they were there every time they showed up. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in this. You know? Well, and, yeah, John was really bitching to Hawkgirl about letting this happen to Superman. And, yeah, and yeah I remember that because he's, he's, he's an asshole. You know, as I'm you like, yeah, hey, you really – I'm like, look, John, I know you're still, I guess, really upset about that planet you think you blew up that didn't actually blow up. But, like, give her a break, man. She didn't have shit to do. Yeah, it, so, it blew yeah. up. <laughs> She's a woman Although, with the other thing, <laughs> The other thing I enjoyed. The other thing I enjoyed is how quickly um, John Stewart just gave the fuck up when they got stranded on that one planet. Oh yeah, because, like, oh yeah. we're gonna do. Yeah. There's, there's no reason she's I like, could use Bahrain to escape. She's, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, she's like, can you? She's like, can we see if we can find another planet? And he's like, we could, but I could run out of power before I go anywhere, and then we could die. And I'm like. Okay, yeah, but you couldn't. So, I'm like, you couldn't just like check the charge on your ring and I don't know, just go look a little bit because it turns out well, later that, on. Let's rewind here, also though, because knowing that there is some sort of limit to the charge on your ring, which actually in this this show they've never really established, right? I mean, his his, yeah, his I, ring I, ever I, run it, out of charge? I mean, he's had some issues with his willpower or whatever, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't think that was. Why that is they, another plot contrivance twelve javelin style spaceships that are known to be sitting on the satellite as opposed to, well, you know, we have this method of transportation, but why don't we just use your ring, which we don't, which apparently has limited power of some sort yeah. and we don't know where we're going and how long we'll be gone. Yeah. It's like we, we so could there. watch this show on my TV plugged in the wall, or we could watch it on my cell phone, <laughs> you know, yep. you know, using, using the, using the 4E, that'll, that'll work, right? Well, and later when yeah. when later when um uh, what Drago or whatever like tells them Drago. like oh yeah you just Drago. Drago just yeah when you just need to fly to that planet like the planet they go to is easily within range of his ring and he never even bothered to like try I feel like yeah. I feel like maybe John was playing the long game and he's like look if I convince her that she has no future except with me on the desolate rock. <laughs> <laughs> I will show her my willpower. You've and, uh, gaslighting her. Oh, Noah, your ideas have always done been terrible. You, you've caused their failure. In fact, you're so bad that I, my ring won't even save us. <laughs> yeah. Like, and now we, will, now we will be married and live here among space hobos. Oh, before yeah. they get to that planet, when, when John Stewart, when they go to find the informants, you know, to look yeah. at them or whatever, I think that's before they're on the planet, right? When they're, they're yeah. looking for information. Does the guy, John Stewart is such an asshole the guy who roofies them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> But John Stewart is such an asshole cop in those scenes. Like, you know, he just it's like he's bullying and threatening some dude at random, you know, and then they get attacked by some guys. And I, I want to point out, this is not necessarily my high point, but it's definitely uh, fairly high on the list of moments in the show, is one of the aliens that attacks him looks like he could be in Manowar. Like, he's just this awful 80s metal looking, but he's bright red. It is, like, it's a joyous moment for me to see things like that. Like, out of all the, the little Gleep Glop aliens that are throughout this episode, he was my very favorite. Yes. And I, 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 I say, wish I, that I could I, see him more. I, I really enjoy that they essentially played bad cop, bad cop, because you've got Jon Stewart, who's a bad cop. And then the the, the acceleration <laughs> is that Hawkwoman was, or Hawkgirl was, you know, she was going to murder that guy. He, oh yeah, he was going to hit him in the head with that mace, and John Stewart stopped her. Yes, I think and one of the things said, that well, you can tell me, or Hot Girl can murder you. <laughs> like this is one I'll of just joke you a little. <laughs> like it's made abundantly clear. Like you have Batman and Superman and their strong moral code against killing, but like it's made abundantly clear throughout the show that like both Diana and Hot Girl will straight up kill a bitch, and um. Yes. Like, they're always like, no, don't do that. And they get stopped, like, in the moment in the heat of battle when they're about to do it. But it's never brought up with, like, Superman. But, like, you know, 
I'm kind of it, not cool with how quickly you whip out the murder option. Yeah, you know, like, so, this, is, this is the third like, time this not, week that I've had to catch your mace, and I'm yeah. beginning to wonder, you yeah. know. Like, I, I need to know that, like, if I send you guys off to 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 stop a hurricane or something, you're not going to just mace your way through that. So yeah. I'm not always committing murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of mace-related murders going on after this yeah. hurricane. <laughs> yeah. So Very suspicious. So, Hot Girl is basically the main character from Sniper, or whatever the hell that movie is. God, I can't remember the movie. Oh, and I'm a reservation? Not, what, not. How, my question that occurs to me is, if to be honest, if I'm going to make a story where one of the Justice League gets thrown into a gladiator situation, how is it not Hot Girl? Like, she's I, like the perfect gladiator character. Then that would be an actual like gladiator for Hot Girl. People, you know? Like, I yeah, mean, there's you know, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, if you have Hawk Girl, there's no moral dilemma, I guess, because she would just straight up maze a bitch. <laughs> and then, true. We did, yeah. we did it basically that, having an entire spinoff series. It's just like 32 episodes a season of Hawk Girl beating the hell out of people. Yeah. And enjoying uh, every uh, second of it. Uh, by the by the way, um, like, if we ever do get to the JLU, you're going to get that episode too. <laughs> I can't I can't remember uh, what what the hell are what's the name of the woman who runs the underground fighting thing. Is it a granny goodness? Yeah, that was no, my no. guess. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, no, no, Amanda Waller. Un- this is on Earth. No. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, I guess uh, I'm the only one that's actually watched Superman the animated series. Um, at one point, Granny Goodness is running an underground gang in Metropolis, so it wouldn't be that out of line. Is it some kind done. of inter gang? Uh, you could you you could call it that. It's it's kind of filling the void after inter gang was destroyed. So. Uh. But yeah, maybe but I'm the only have... one who remembers this because I I think the only comic it was a major plot in was uh, one of the later JLI constitutions. Ah, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to like I know I've read some JL a lot of JLI, but I haven't read all of it, and I'm guessing that might be from after I kind of like lost. Uh, I'm pretty I'm sure off. it appeared. I'm I'm pretty sure it was in some of the later just one of the just recently in recently meaning the last decade in the Justice Society. Yeah, I recently reread. I recently re just a brief sidebar, but I recently read JLI for the first time um, this summer, around the time that I read the uh, original Ostrander Suicide Squad run. And I gotta tell you, um, JLI I think doesn't really hold up. It's more influential than it was actually good. Um, but Suicide Squad totally holds up. So I think you're probably right on that. I. JLI was one of the few DC comics that I was familiar with at the time. I was much more of a Marvel guy then. And I, but I had friends who read JLI, and I would always borrow those. Like, I don't think I ever owned JLI then. But, yeah, I, I would say, but it is, it, it is for its time. Like, what it did was definitely something that, like, wasn't as common in comics, especially not in DC, because, I mean, up until DC always had, not necessarily fairly, but it always kind of had the reputation when I was a kid of being the stodgier of the companies. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and JLI being, like, kind of, like, you know, wacky, fun humor moments mixed in with, a, you know, mixed in with superhero stuff was not but a common thing. It, it know, definitely for... felt like DC saying, hey, the Justice League can totally be the X-Men. And I'm like, no, no, they can't. But... No. Well, I, I, I always felt like their their X-Men, though, was the Teen Titans, which I just could never get into. But, um, oh, but know, I mean, okay, the character's name is Roulette. And I believe whatever she runs in oh. JL, JLI or in the JLU story, it's called Metabrawl. I don't know if it's called, but she basically just runs a casino where in the comics, it's like she has like third rate superheroes and villains fight each other, you know. Oh, like the in, power broker. <laughs> wait, goes through the Marvel filter for me. <laughs> wait, yeah. is that the episode where, where Wildcat is getting into a bunch of fights and Black Canary is like begging him to retire? Uh, yes, and then there is the second one where they just kidnap a series of females. Unless that's the same. Is that the same one where they keep kidnapping female heroes and they end up having to fight Wonder Woman or no? Oh, I'm not sure. Hopefully we'll get this. No, yeah, there there is a second. She she does come back in it and somehow manages to capture like a bunch of the Justice Leaguers or brainwash them to fight in this as well. And that's when you're going to get your hot girl Wonder Woman 
Black Canary Brawl. I definitely Ooh. prefer the the JLU version of Hawkgirl to the, the current JL because she's much better when she has that giant chip on her shoulder that comes from betraying her during an invasion by her people. So, anyhow. Spoilers. Uh, oh, no! Yeah. Where the hell were we? I have no we were, idea. We're, we were somewhere in the world. We were, we were got the to last the thing we talked factory yet. <laughs> Anyways, they end up yeah. on... I don't know. Do we need to do the straight plot-by-plot plot thing? No, I mean, I, I feel like... I, Superman's thrown into the gladiator pit, and he ends up fighting Draga, who is... Uh, Draga! Draga! Wait, 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 wait. I, I have to object. We we do have to go over the part where Draga spits on him when he's imprisoned. Oh, and yeah. Then he leaves, and Superman, like, just... Sm- he's, he's chained to the wall, and he just rips the chains out of the wall, and the guy's like, why didn't you do that when Draga was here? And Superman goes, it's called turning the other cheek, which he never does again in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what's funny though? That's that's one of two times, and I forgot to write that one down. But that's one of two times in this movie where they they pull an awkward Christ moment with him. You know, the other yeah. being he is held in the most crucified position whenever uh, Mongol is uh, threatening him. You know, in there, like they've that's literally got his arms straight out at his sides. You know, and then is, then after that he goes down and rescues John from being eaten by the the giant crocodile, which. If you're going to dispose of gladiators, that is an awesome way to dispose of gladiators. Just feed them to giant yeah. crocodiles. But then somehow, I, I guess, I, to be honest, I have, I have only watched these episodes once, and it was it was two weeks ago. Thanks, John. And uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, okay, how does, why does Draga not end up eaten by the crocodiles? Because Superman. Because they feed the, they feed oh, the losers and just weaklings to them. So Draga yeah. gets is like, He's down in the prison just kind of visiting the, you know, the fresh meat. And he sees Superman and he calls him a pathetic whatever and spits on him. Yeah. And then, but I think Draga, yeah. yeah. Like, I, th- I think the reason, I think, yeah, because Draga wasn't like, he wasn't the sad loser. He was the tough guy that lost a fight. And I think, I guess, I, you know, I kind of lost track. Like, like, I rewatched it like four times. I was watching while my son was playing in the room and I ended up missing it and giving up. But like, I kind of missed exactly what happened after Superman won the fight against Draga. But well, they he refuses like, to kill him. And then Draga... Yeah, he refuses to kill him. I saw that part, but then all of a sudden Draga gets, like, dumped somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Draga... What happens is, okay, so Superman goes back to the prison, right? And the guys in the prison now respect Superman, and they're like, hey, we have the way for you to escape to this garbage planet. And Superman says, I, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure why, but he's just like, no, I can't do that. And then so he has them, that's how Draga ends up dumped where... Uh, he, he has them basically, I guess, forcibly escape Draga from the planet because oh. he didn't want to go. <laughs> oh, that's why Draga, and that's why Draga is resentful of Superman. Okay, yeah. Because um, and and before we go too deep in, uh, you know, I just want to go in and say Draga is voiced by uh, William Smith, is the actor's name. Who um, I don't know if y'all, I, I sent y'all a message about. It. I don't know if y'all, y'all looked on his IMDb trivia page, <laughs> but he is one of those guys that's got kind of a life that it's kind of got that Dolph Lundgren. De- Lundgren feel where it's like really you know like he's like like he's like fluent in multiple languages has like an MA in Russian language was a Marlboro man for a while uh, two time world arm wrestling champion you know like well, fought in Korea uh, like an amateur boxer like he was also Conan's dad and he, and I think he was in Red Dawn as well but uh, I think I think the most effed up version of one of those stories I've ever heard is the time that I read that in that long form journalism piece about how the guy who played Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters yeah. Two was just like the single most fucked up individual in human history. So oh, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're all listening, folks, you should definitely Google that piece because holy shit. But yeah, that, that's it's really interesting. <laughs> I am Vigo. <That's, laughs> this guy definitely uh, lived a life then. Well, oh, good for him. That yeah, he, he was recovered also, from being beat by Superman to yeah. do such rich things. Oh, he was also, yeah, he was also basically, um, he was the, uh, in Enter the Dragon, he was, uh, Bruce Lee offered him the role that John Saxon took. Like, he couldn't do it for some reason. <laughs> like, like, his life is insane. Like, he studied, he studied like, Kung Fu. Yeah, right I, I would say he was probably doing something crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's insane. He couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, no, I'm... Well, he was also apparently, like, he shot a test pilot for the show to became Kung Fu, so he almost had David Carradine's job. Like, basically, he he almost had every white guy Kung Fu role in the 70s ever, but just, uh, you know, for various reasons, didn't, you know? 
There's like, I would like to see him but, as a perfect uh, so, weapon. So basically, Draga is being played by the perfect guy to play Draga. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who would play a crazy gladiator on a spa- on another planet. And uh, <laughs> but Draga has got like he's got like one eye, you know, like one of his eyes is all milky, and he his weapon is like some big axe. Yeah, you know, which he straight up murders an alien with black blood at one point, like only slightly yeah. off camera. You know, and then like we, get when he wins that, we get to see that alien fed to the crocodile too. It's nice. Yeah. You know, at first I thought that alien was a robot until until when he took it down. It did. Like, and, yeah. And then yeah, I thought it was a robot too. Food. And then yeah, I guess I don't know. It could be some kind of fluid, but yeah, I feel like I feel <laughs> it like was definitely fluid. fluid. Yeah. yeah, I feel like gladiator flights versus robots would not satisfy the the team no, but good people of War World. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely not. Oh, so, um, and, and before we before we go back to the Superman Draga, uh, th- there was one. So so after they're going to feed John to the crocodile, Superman rescues him, and then in I, I think immediately that's when they attempt to escape. And so in the escape, John's phasing powers miraculously miraculously come back. Superman shoves him through whatever force shield is, is holding the gladiators in, and he gets out. And right. I, I like this part because that's where John's like going to come back in, and Superman says, "No, you'll do. You're you're more good to me out there." Which my assumption was he was going to find, you know, find a way to break him out, find a way to rescue him. Instead, John just decides he's going to go live with I don't know uh, uh, what's her name, Lunch Lady Doris, the the. Alien version and attend. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he uses his powers just to sneak back in and watch. You know. <laughs> and, and and of course he saves Superman by chanting Superman. That was the greatest <laughs> chant start ever. Superman. 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 <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, I, I was heartened to see that, regardless of your culture, be it you know, you whatever color, whether you're an alien, that the theme of the cranky old lady who wears a babushka is universal. That's the part where, again, I was surprised to find that, like, War World is, I guess, just like a Rust Belt economy. So, yeah, exactly. Haven't had jobs in years! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess parallels to present society being what they are. I'm like, you know, I, I guess, okay, it's like, well, the factory closed down, but the leader is letting their super-powered beings murder each other, so, you know, all in all. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know what they're eating. You know, like, is there bread to go along with this circus? Because it's not really, it's never really explained <laughs> no, how they actually survive. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, say the, the lackey played by David Paymer does say that they, you know, hey, we need to get some food for these people. Oh, yeah. that's right, he does. And well, I guess, now I guess... I guess I was kind of wondering, I'm like, well, what really, what was the economy of War World originally, and what sent it into the tank? Like, I feel like War World was probably a, an arms factory, and, yeah. you know, those don't ever seem to go out of business, so. Well, maybe it, was, yeah. maybe it was originally, like, it just made, like, you know, manufactured, like, you know, like cars or something, and, you know, their economy went in the shitter, no one was buying cars, but people, people buy tanks, and it gradually moved from there, and but they weren't weren't good enough at it, so you know, like that's that's all I can think is they were like kind of a they're like a Soviet block of manufacturing kind of place that's like good enough for cheap, but you know, like doesn't make it good enough to survive. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, that's I, as far as I can. I get apologize into that. too because I originally I, I think I I likened uh, War World and and Mongol to like arcade, and what I actually meant was Mojo in Marvel. Oh, oh okay, that Mojo. makes much more sense. I, I kind of didn't yeah. question it because I was like, am I just, I'm not, maybe I'm not familiar enough. I don't remember Mongol doing anything like that, but no, yeah. No. Oh man. So, you know what? So I would watch the hell out of like a Mojo If the economy series. was, you know, if, if their economy was based on them broadcasting these fights and, you know, making yeah. money off that. Then. Like a running man kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Then that would make Which, sense, but. Man, this is all very depressingly current. I don't like it. Yeah, I know. Is it? <laughs> It's always, it's always weird when that happens, you know. And uh, I, so I guess at this point, like, Draga has now been forcibly escaped, and he is yes. super pissed off at Superman for killing, like, he didn't kill him with honor. You know, he's been dishonored in there. And and we see probably the most metal moment in a show that has a guy that looks like a member of Man of War already when Draga, yeah. like, reaches into the wreckage 
the burning like metal like makes an S out of it, throws it back in the fire until it's hot, and then just brands himself on his chest. That was the moment that I was like, oh fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, drug is hardcore, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, you know, like and. You know, like, basically, for a while, you, you just see him sulking and angry, and it cuts away from that. Um, you know, he's like, I guess it's kind of a, as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again moment, you know, where he's kind of silhouetted yeah. and angry. But um, then we, I think the next the next thing I remember, Lord knows if this is actually what happened chronologically, because my notes are terrible, but it's, is John Stewart is starts to apologize. <laughs> uh, oh, then, yeah, yeah there's, there's a little bit of stuff that happens, but I can't really remember what it was, but, like, it's, we're back to we're back to Hawkman and John Hawkman Hawk Girl and John Stewart, and he starts yes. to apologize to her, which would, would have been a first on the show. But in the middle of it, she interrupts him because she sees something. So we don't yes. get that moment of John Stewart actually admitting he was a douchebag. And then <laughs> they get attacked for trying to eat that hobo's beans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, I, I I do love how quickly like they go from the world goes from uninhabited to like this crazy hobo jungle just full of other people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, like, well, again, waste, like nothing. <laughs> again, more evidence for why John just giving up still bugs me because he's like, yeah. it's like, oh, look at all of these aliens who clearly are not native to this planet because they're like 15 different species. I wonder where they came from. No, there's probably not a habitable planet nearby that like, I can get to before my ring. Really? When they were in the Jumlin Waste or wherever the fuck they were before, he didn't even decide to fly up high enough to see whether there was a sea on the horizon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, my charge might run out. I don't want to fly 100 feet in the air and look. That, that's, uh, if you hadn't failed in the beginning, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> oh, my God, he's the C-3PO of this. John Stewart is just C-3PO. He is. Holy shit. <laughs> this is all your I fault. guess that makes uh, Hawkgirl R2-D2 with a base. Okay, well... And could you think of a better thing than R2-D2 with a mace? I, I, can, I submit you could not. Not really, no. Well, I, I, don't know. I, I like R2-D2 with... Yeah, I like R2-D2 with rockets and also when he gets his personal um, medal ceremony from the Queen, that kind of uh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. those are always good. Yeah. <laughs> as long as Chewbacca doesn't ever give him the medal, I'm happy. <laughs> he knows what he did. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I guess... I, uh, before we forget, obviously we mentioned Mongol is voiced by Eric Roberts, and I just I got to get this out of my system now. Eric Roberts does a great job as Mongol, but his voice seems surprisingly inappropriate to be coming out of Mongol's body. Like Mongol looks like he should be voiced by Clancy Brown or something. Yeah, and then like he has he ends up and Eric, his Eric Roberts voice has I never noticed it until this. He, it has an almost Zat Brannigan esque timbre to it. You know, when he's talking to him, it just. It's 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 not quite deep enough for like a guy who who's bigger than bigger than Superman and arguably close to as strong, you know. Like it just it seems a little high pitched, just a touch, you know. Like I mean, I it's don't too, get me wrong. It's, it's, it's like too smooth. Like yeah, hi there. That, that was, I'm the king that of this. Kind of what? I was just saying, like you know, I'm the king of this oh, world. Yeah. Hi. You know, yeah, exactly. like, I feel like it should be more like, you know, yeah, like a growly, you know, voice. It just it just seems very inappropriate. You know, it's like when Mike Tyson first speaks and you realize, whoa, that's the wrong voice to come out of his head. <laughs> you <know>? Nice. <laughs> you know, so, and I, I, I guess around this time, Superman learns the reason that Draga agreed to fight in the first place for Mongol, you know, was, even though he originally tried to fight against him, was that, this is where you learn basically that again, this is no moon. It's a space station, and it can blow up other planets because that's like his threat. Yes, is that he will destroy Draga's homeworld, and Superman like basically gets like, you know, like well, there's no Krypton, so I'll destroy, you know, I'll destroy Draga's homeworld <laughs> again. Yeah. you know, if you don't fight, if you don't fight me and lose, you know, is the big thing. And Superman agrees because yeah. you know he's you like take the dive. Yeah, Superman agrees to take a dive. Which um, Superman so, uh, plays pretty fast and loose there because once once they get into the fight, he's kind of like starts hitting Mongol and he didn't tell Mongol he was going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet. Actually, I thought that was that was actually one of my favorite moments. He's like, oh, he's I love to do it. And I, also that fight. Did you ever say it was like no build up to that fight? You know, like, like before they pretty much Superman, the last stand man of Krypton, battling Draga. There was none of that. It was just like you go into the fight, and all of a sudden it's just Superman yep. picks up an axe and is attacked immediately. 
Like, there's no, like, our leader will battle. You know, like, you'd think there would be some, like, bigger buildup. It reminded me yeah. to go back to Star Wars of when, when they were first escaping the Death Star and they shoot all the TIE fighters and they blew up that one TIE fighter at the end and it was like the big, biggest explosion in the entire movie, even bigger than the Death Star or Alderaan blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, now admittedly the special editions kind of changed that, but I'm talking the original theatrical release because I'm a snob, you know. <laughs> but, um, of course. But, but, like, I don't see how that last fight didn't have more of a buildup, like more of an, an announcer introducing, you know, kind of feel yeah. to it. It was just, okay, we're fighting now. Yeah. You know, like, just jump right in. And, you know, like, and meanwhile, while they're doing this fight, Hawk Earl and, and uh, John Stewart are, like, finding them, you know, and coming to uh, to the planet. Well, yeah, because Drago leads him to the planet, and then he he leaps out and lands on, luckily he finds a building that has three consecutive awnings on it. <laughs> three consecutive <laughs> He well, that's just a tribute, and that slows him down, and then he bounces up. <laughs> that's clearly just a tribute to um, Batman Returns when Christopher Walken pushes um, Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> out of that window, and she hits like fourteen different awnings before she's resurrected by um, ancient Egyptian cat goddesses or something. I'm not exaggerating. That's literally the background story, as expounded oh, upon yeah. in the uh, the Halle Berry Catwoman. So. <laughs> A movie that's uh, directed by uh, visionary director Pitoff. <laughs> yes. And I got to tell you, I was pretty Pitoff by the time I got done <laughs> watching it. So, hey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, no there's a movie with movie. Halle Berry and tight-revealing clothing that I still don't want to see, and that should tell you something. I still think the coolest thing in the world, though, is that she accepted her Razzie in person for that movie and thanked her agent for putting her in that piece of shit movie. That was her exact <laughs> words. So I will not hear anything bad about Halle Berry or Catwoman. Oh, no, not so. at all. I mean, she's a terrible storm. But other than that, I won't say anything bad about her at all. Terrible storm. Um, it's uh, incredibly wrong for the part. But I won't say a single bad thing about her really seriously, emotionally dead, and one of the characters that should be the strongest. And, oh, but I'm not going to say anything bad about her. Nothing at all. <laughs> all right, then. But, um, yeah, like... I, like yeah, I I do love that like yeah, Mongol basically gets broken up by by Draga, like and it's kind yeah. of a weird like back and forth free for all for a minute with the with them. Um, what, Meanwhile, know. parallel to that, uh, the Death Star is being destroyed by the remainder of the cast. Yeah, exactly. And they 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 battle their way. And I I do want to say I think the single most ridiculous thing that happens in this show is in this episode, like is the way they destroy that laser. Because it, it they do the, the traditional You, don't, you like, don't think that putting a mace into the can, into the mouth of a laser would, would cause it's it not even the, She literally she literally, she literally literally hits it the laser. Like it's a fucking baseball. <laughs> it's a thing that can blow up a planet. It's a thing that can blow up a planet. And she hits it with a tiny iron ball. It's and like, that makes I, it, it turn was, around. It's like let, whenever let Marvel or something... It's like whatever I, I com- did not. Uh, I, I did. I I've watched this one several times, but it's been a week or two. Do they actually? Is it a laser? Do we know that for sure? Is well, it, I don't know what it, it is. But something comes out that looks like an energy thing, and it, it it moves very slowly for a laser. I will say that. And she she knocks it back like it's a fucking baseball. Like it it yeah. it looks like whenever you like go to like comic book day at the ballpark, and they release like some shitty tie-in comic that features like MLB athletes or something like and their superpower is, like, hitting baseballs, that's what it looks like. She just, like, swings a bat and knocks a fucking laser back and destroys the... Created by Stanley. Yes. Well, and I also like that there's apparently no consequences yeah. to a planet-destroying laser yeah. being bounced back to its source. Yeah, like, that only causes... This. I would have that's... thought that would have caused a chain reaction in reverse and maybe blown this planet up. <laughs> like, but, again, I don't know. Because we're already really, seeing the physics really, of, a, I, I of a cartoon the only, of let me put my finger in the gun barrel. Yep. The only consequences are they have destroyed yet an, one of the few remaining industries on this planet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally like, it, it would be like at the end of Roger and Me was Michael Moore blowing up literally the unemployment office in Flint. Like, no, <laughs> nothing. You get nothing. Also, it now occurs to me that if Warworld has this, shouldn't they be able to extract tribute from, like, any planet within range? Yeah, that's a really shouldn't. bad plan. Like, Mongol's a shitty warlord. He is. Even by, he absolutely even is. by like, 
he is such a he's such a B-rate character that even like he can't even come up with the like like you give him a Death Star and he can't even think of a uh, like other than to blackmail someone into fighting a gladiator contest. Yes, it didn't even occur to me until just now how stupid that is. Like this beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt, the biggest waste of a planet killing laser in the history yeah. of entertainment. <laughs> and that's kind of amazing because like literally every other Death Star only fired once. So well, I guess yeah. Rogue One retconned that. It got three shots in before it it was dead. So, but yeah, it just yeah. It, it just seems such a strange waste. <laughs> you know, I I like and again like I I I, I just. For one last time, let me repeat: a woman with wings flew yes. up to a space-killing laser, hit it with a ma- or whatever it is, hit it with a mace, which then caused a chain reaction that blew up a very small building. That is the that is the way that they solved their way out of this issue. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this was a script that was not fully finished. I I think <laughs> you know? it was. I guess I think it was uh, a Superman the animated series script that they like edited to just codgel on a few um, Justice League subplots because the Superman plot of this is strong and yeah. it's a lot about the yes. Superman ethos and I really it. enjoy I it. Yeah, he refuses to kill anyone. You know, and he doesn't he doesn't let he doesn't even let him kill Mongol. He's like, you know, like basically it's like you defeated him, you know? Yes. Well I mean, he refuses to kill anyone but he does get to beat a whole lot of ass and I think that maybe we've yeah. glossed over that a little bit. But I love the oh, fight yeah. system this. Oh yeah. Oh, because the best in the series. Drago intervenes in the final fight, but it's made pretty clear that if Superman wanted to, and he seemed to be ready to, he would have beat Mongol to a pulp. Yeah. Oh yeah. Once he learned, once he learned, all bets are off. Like that was a good. That was a moment, and I, I remember that. I think that moment is second, maybe only to there's one of the times he's fighting Darkseid for the first time, and I've not. I came. I, I, I saw that episode ages ago, but he's like. He's like he does the monologue about like basically everywhere I go I have to like I have to be so careful you know I have to pull that my punches is, that or whatever. Is the, that's from the final episode of the ser- of the Justice League Unlimited series. Okay, yeah, like that is up there with that on a great moment of oh shit now it's on. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't get that a lot with Superman in these shows, but you know it's all like I was I was I I, I would have had not my son been sitting on my lap at that moment I would have probably stood up and hooted. Like an Arsenio cat, you know, audience. Yeah, I did. Point. I did fist bump when Superman finally starts stops pulling his punches. It's yeah. Um, well, yeah. DCAU Superman just has a couple moments of just just utter utter Superman brilliance. I would, there was I think in the first, and it's a reference I think to John Burns Man of Steel comic, but there's uh, one time in Superman the animated series where. Did I leave you guys? No, I'm yeah. no, we're here. Oh, okay. We're letting you finish. Silence. Uh, <laughs> I know it was weird, but I was letting you talk. Where Superman says something about, or where Lex Luthor says something about being the most powerful man in Metropolis, and Superman just responds, you were. It's <laughs> <laughs> also one of my favorite Superman moments, but yeah, the, nice. this is definitely in the top three, along with the aforementioned Dark Side Mom. Oh. Yeah. Hello. Uh, speaking of hello, because I think I, I I think I just walked into a dead zone for a second. <laughs> so uh, ah. I am back. I I was pacing while recording because that's what I do. Yeah. I understand. Anyway. I'm at the mercy of of beautiful Iowa internet. So who knows when I will be cut off? So I live so in the mercy like of my life, which is the same. So I guess we're down to the end here, which is uh, Dragon beats. Beats Mongol, and then number one, Mongol. Another another thing about Mongol is I, I had just assumed that that metal thing was part of his head. That is yeah, the, the crown he was wearing. <laughs> so <laughs> the dragon tries to give Superman Mongol's crown, and Superman just turns it down and says, "Hey, why don't you run this shitty planet? I'm going home." Yeah. Um, I, I want to be like, I oh, you want to run that? I was like, yeah. uh, Superman, why don't you you say that plan out loud again? Like, why don't you just run that back again? Because I think, I think even Cobra Commander would be like, hold on a second there. Um, <laughs> Wait, you wanna you wanna free this planet from the tyranny of a dictator who only knew how to host gladiator fights by handing power to a gladiator who just like two seconds ago was swearing vengeance upon you because you beat him in a gladiator fight. 
<laughs> yeah. So, and it, yeah. You know, never mind that maybe Drago wants to go back to the planet that, you know, he's from. No, yeah, maybe. no you know what? You're going to stay here and you're going to fix what, what is, you know, been noted to be a planet that's just gone to shit economy-wise. And, and, and we call you know, everyone Drago's a consensus builder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least turn at least turn the crown over to David Paymer for God's sake. Right, right. And I, before, I would be seriously, uh, you know, neglectful to not point out that uh, my wife, for reasons that escape me, really loves David Paymer, like a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> excited whenever he's anything. <laughs> because, uh, like, because essentially, my wife's favorite kind of actor in the world is sort of a schlubby, goofy-looking character actor. She loves him to death, and that explains a hell of a lot about how she ended up marrying me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, man, some some dots are connecting here. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder what it could be. (laughs) But, like, she was less excited about Eric Roberts' voice being on something whenever she was coming through the room and way more excited about the fact that David Paymer was uh, was getting some work. You know, just full of delight for that. I will yeah, like, Google who David Paymer is, and when I saw his face, he was one of those guys, and we were like, oh, I know who that guy is. He's yeah. from that oh. thing. And then even after looking through his IMDb page, I was like, you know, I still don't know which of these things I actually recognize him from because I'm right, not yeah. sure I even watched any of these. But I, I did recognize him instantly. So Yeah, he's, he's, he yeah. is definitely like a crown prince among bad guys. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. He's been around. And, and if it weren't for the fact that, like, we, uh, like, b- between the two of us, my wife and I can never even find time to do one of our, one of our like, 19 other podcasts, you know, I'm sure she would eventually talk me into doing a podcast about that, guys. <laughs> I'm stunned that she hasn't already. Ooh, I would like to a large portion of her brain power is being, is, is committed to memorizing every person who ever had, like, three seconds of time on an episode of SVU. You know? <laughs> But yeah, I guess I don't know what else really so, happens in this episode if there's anything. I think they just kind of end it there. No, they just leave. They're like, "Yeah, I have to yeah. go home. We're going back to Earth. Thanks." Yeah, like, Bye. like literally, I think Superman's basically like, "You know what? Yeah, no, they would be fun to fly off." It's like, yeah, it's like you know, I don't really want to run this planet. You're the first person nearest to me. You do it because Metropolis has a lot of good burger joints. This place is not. I am yeah. gonna go home. I am am straight. <laughs> You would think John would at least like put in a word for you know lunch lady Doris. Yeah, hey, you need you need <laughs> somebody in your administration. <laughs> or for that man. matter, you know, or for that matter, perhaps he might contact the Green Lantern Corps to let them know that the planet is can you at least liberated. This woman figure out her Medicare prescription. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, one other. I, I I meant to bring it up when we talked about her earlier, but. I'm kind of wondering if that character was sort of the weird inspiration for the character design of Leela's mother from Futurama. Oh, my God. The same thing. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you mentioned it. Yes, that makes sense. I, I can see that. Either that or that woman on The Simpsons who throws the cats. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All the same archetype. <laughs> Oh, shit. I haven't thought about that episode of The Simpsons in years. I, can't talk about I, honestly, I honestly only remember it because there was a, a gif and or gif, depending on how you want to pronounce it, that was making the rounds where someone looped it, which I remember watching for like 45 yeah. minutes, right? That was the episode where Bart does the human interest stories, right? Where him and Lisa do so. competing. Yeah, where he has dads. Yeah, I can't stop. Okay. Uh, I, I literally <laughs> quote that. I literally quote that that episode, I don't know, at least three times a week because I live very close to a train line. And any time <laughs> the gates start going down, I say to my wife, the old Union Pacific doesn't come by here much anymore. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. If it, I, I have to say, if, if, it, if it weren't for the fact of the endless patience of my wife, <laughs> I think the number of, like, terrible Simpsons quotes that I use, you know, without fail for no real reason would probably have gotten me lost ages ago. <laughs> Oh, so, so this was another uh, Justice League episode full of like uh, what I believe we hate movies refers to as bleep glop aliens all throughout. Is, are we gonna, but I love. You're gonna get another one. I love this freaking episode. I love it. Yep. 
Yeah, I, you know, it's I, a fun episode. It's not necessarily it a good one, but it is a fun one. Yes. Yeah, I made fun it, of it a lot because, I mean, like I said, oh, yeah, the, it, it, the, it the non... No kind of logic. The, yeah. the non-Superman parts of the story make no sense at all, um, and it just seemed like a number of idiot plots and yeah, plot contrivances yeah. to keep them from solving this problem in all of five minutes. But yeah. um, the Superman parts are so strong. Uh, yeah. I really, uh, yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed it. And the, the set pieces, I think, are the best in the show so far. The fights yeah. are, are just that fantastic. So, yeah, I, yeah. I give this yeah. episode an A for sure. Yeah, I, I think really the moral that I thought of here for an episode, if, if you're going to do something in outer space with a heretofore unknown, you know, multinational alien government involved, make sure it's a, a, a horrible dictatorship run by an idiot and not a democracy where you're going to have a trial. That's very yeah weird. exactly and, <laughs> yeah and I and I, I will say I enjoyed I thought the diversity of Glee Blobs was very good you know there mm-hmm. were there were a lot of different weird freaky aliens throughout this I mean yeah. it didn't get to that Alan Moore Green Lantern you know thing where there's like like some serious crazy diversity but you know still better than like a Star Trek everyone has a weird forehead you know like yeah a, and, and better than better than like a Star Wars where every planet has maybe three races or two races on it. Yeah. Well, you know, or every planet has one climate, you know, or yeah. every sci-fi thing where every planet has one government. Um, wait, no. Yeah. I always found, just since this will be our 500th um, Star Wars reference of the night, I think that gets Woo! kind of sticker or something. I always find it interesting watching the Clone Wars show that the everyone is fighting for the preservation of the Republic, and the Republic is considered this sacred ideal, but, like, literally every planet in the Republic is a monarchy. <laughs> so, because, like, I mean, you have Princess Leia, and you have Queen Amidala, and then, like, the the Toydarians have King Katunka, and there's all, the, like, every single planet they go to has, but they have way, to help King so-and-so, and I'm like, why is the Republic so fucking important to you people? You obviously prefer monarchies. And I want to point I'm out pretty the sure Toydarians is, Luke is putting a name right on the nose. You know, <laughs> straight but up just calling Toydarians. It's established that Naboo's monarch is an elected queen, 14-year-old girl, which makes even makes less a sense. Lot of sense. <laughs> Only because someone pointed out to George Lucas that just because Princess Leia is a princess, he didn't have to make her mother a fucking queen. And yeah. then he felt like in the second movie, he needed to explain um, yeah. why this champion of democracy was a fucking monarch. So, Or why, if she's adopted in the first place, <laughs> like it yeah. matters. <laughs> you know? But, um, in yeah, short, so anyway, yeah, I would have fit right in in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, man, he would have been perfect. But um, I think I, I would – I don't know that I'd give this one an A, but I would give it a solid B. And I, I, oh, yeah. I, I think the, the non-Superman stuff really, like, brings it down a lot. It's a, it's a very good exploration of who Superman is within the confines of, you know, the punch festival that is uh, the DCAU Superman, you know. But, I enjoy you know, like, it, it's, it's a little goofy, but um, – and again, it has it does have the incredible high point for me of uh, of, uh, of Saga just burning an ass into his chest because he's so mad at Superman. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's so bad. It's just glorious. And uh, and it definitely has the insane like it's I would say it's a low point, but it's also the highest point and the lowest point of a hot girl again just <laughs> destroying a planet gun with a, by hitting it with a with a mace, which is the ultimate distillation of hot girl or hot man's powers. Yes. But, um, well, yeah, you know what they say, when all you have is a giant superhero mace, everything looks like whatever you mace. A, so, yeah. a planet-killing laser. <laughs> a mace target. <clears throat> ah, yes. <laughs> mace. Marsh, where did you put the mace target? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh, so I put it. I put it on the shoulders of a lo- the local Gleep Glop alien. That's the nice Ah, there we go. <laughs> All right. So what's next on the docket? I haven't even looked ahead. Well, don't guess what. Now we're going to throw a curveball because I, I know a joke earlier that John made in one of the first episodes was how continuity didn't really matter, but they did end up establishing continuity in this series, and then for some reason. Cartoon Network started showing the episodes out of order. So <laughs> we are go- 
we are going to skip forward because based on my reading of the Internet Movie Database, um, this episode is probably the next one. And I actually love this episode. It might it might be my favorite of this season. It might even be my favorite um, of this entire, of, of the pre-JLU uh, series. So we are going to watch Injustice for All. Ooh, oh, shit, which, yeah, hell yeah, let's do this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I have I have rewatched it already once. I intend to watch it several more times because I love it. And uh, hopefully you gentlemen will, too. I've got, uh, I, right. I don't know what it's about, but I've got some theories based on the title, so, you know, and, I'm uh, hoping they and, come true. Well, we're, this is, you know, for now, I, this is where we're really going to get some, you know, we're, we're going to get some enemies. We're going to get a rogues gallery together. Ooh, that's what I'm looking for. I miss me some rogues and, gallery. Uh, Walter, you're, you know, you're kind of the resident animation expert. Just, uh, I'm going to have some questions for you on a certain character and how he's animated in, in this next episode. All right. Um, yeah, I, I won't tell you which one, but just that he's voiced by Mark Hamill. And, uh, ah. <laughs> <keep> an <eye laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah, Although, great. actually, two of, two of the characters are, so you'll have to guess which one I'm talking about. Speaking of Mark Hamill, did either of you see the clip where Mark Hamill recorded Donald Trump's New Year's tweet in his Joker voice? I did. Yes, I did. Which was yes. excellent. Yes, yes, it was. And, and it was honestly excellent just for hearing Mark Hamill do the Joker one more time. Hell yeah. You know? He's a guy there, There's a new um, show out now called Justice League Action that um, is kind of aimed for, you know, well, people a hell of a lot younger than us to begin with. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, and I think he's still voicing the Joker in that, so that's cool. Oh, that's nice. I didn't even realize. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Because I was he, thinking if I, if I knew him personally, I would drive him crazy by being like, go on, say in the Joker voice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what I, I would say. If I, loved, if I knew Mark Mark Hamill personally, I don't think I'd ever stop telling him how much I loved him and that he should never go away. So <laughs> I would probably be like, hey, 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 have you have you seen a doctor lately? Are you, you doing okay? Everything cool? Yeah. Like, let's Look, just, I, you know, like, let's just put, let's put just that, cool. that, that fried just, food down. Let's just put that down. <laughs> let's know? just be cool, Luke. Hey, here's a nice Saturday. Just drink that. <laughs> you know. All right, well. I Let me walk across the street. So. Everybody stop. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Hamill so, coming through. Well, I will. I'll, I will see you whenever we do this again for injustice for all. All right. So, good night, good. folks. All right. Good night, everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.